this is the weekly download patch, I would guess. Yeah, I guess that's a good word for it. Monday, cash. you know, we're kind of in the middle of the week. We usually do a weekly podcast, but because I really want to get content out there for you guys, I decided that we should do another one, and Chris seemed to agree, so I dragged Chris out of his busy schedule to come here and do another one. I'm sure he's very excited. Oh, the most excited? I love it. So we're going to talk about the stuff that we mentioned last time. Um, the top download for this week is potentially sponsored by you. So if you could send us an email, contact at weeklydownload.com if you're interested. We would greatly appreciate it. We've heard a lot of great feedback from you guys, and I really hope to hear some more. Um, send us an email, tweet us, weeklyd, or find us on Facebook. Thanks for any correspondence whatsoever. So this week's top download is the Facebook video calling and Skype announcement. What do you think? Well, I think this is a really great opportunity for Facebook and Skype, especially with the new Google Plus thing we talked about in our last podcast, dealing a lot with the recording, the being able to record video, or being able to like face chat, so to speak, and do all this like live web blog, live webcam stuff. And have you used the Facebook service extensively since the release? I still haven't used it extensively or anything, but I've been playing around with it, and it seems like it's okay. But I think like we've talked about in the past... On our last podcast, uh, people don't like change. Or they think they don't like change. Right. And video calling hasn't really rolled out for you, has it? Not yet. Has it for you? No, I haven't seen it. So the only real sort of program that has video calling is Google right now, and they're sitting on group video calling, so Facebook doesn't really have that. Do you think that's a hurtful part to their service? Um, I, I think that it can be, but I... I think that it's still early enough in the game that it's not a big deal either direction. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but... Well, I'm looking at Facebook, and I've been using it for a week now, and I find the interface very distracting. The notifications tend to be a bit cumbersome than they used to be, and uh, I'm really curious as to how the ads don't work on the front page. Have you noticed that? Uh, I have, actually. It's, it's kind of bizarre. It's like... very bizarre. It works on some pages, but on the uh, front page, they just seem to disappear because they're still trying to figure out the JavaScript or something. That's uh, hurtful. I mean, it seems weird that they would roll the service out and not like have it ready. Exactly. I mean, we talked a little bit about Google Plus and the servers being hit or things like that or, or not getting it rolled out, but I, I mean, but Facebook's now people, already out. Like... But now people are going crazy for Google Plus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I got literally like 10 circle requests today. Right. And uh, do you like the service? I, I mean, it's okay. So far, I still haven't had enough time to play around with it to, to really fall in love with it or hate it either way. But it seems like it's going to be pretty good. I like the minimalistic view. I mean, it's simple. There's not a lot of distraction like you were talking about on Facebook. I think it's just really good. I think I'm sticking to my guns, though. I think that even though Google Plus is a nice service, they've done some great UI work, I still don't see the impetus to move over to the service. Uh, a lot of the people who are on there are people who are on Facebook as well, and they're used to corresponding more on Facebook, so I don't see much of the point for them to double correspond, if you will. And then the people who are on Google+, Plus who are using it wholeheartedly, like I've, I'm following uh, the Scobalizer, for example, and he just takes up my whole stream. Yeah, I mean, I, I say that I support Google+, Plus. I like the minimalistic view, but to be honest with you, I mean, other than seeing these people requesting my circle, I'm not playing with the service that much. So I think it's still, like, basically what you're saying. I'm, I'm still using Facebook. I'm still finding myself not 
immediately opening a web browser and, and tabbing over to, to Google Plus when I hit my five or six tabs up that I do when I start a web browser. Right. And now and a lot of people are saying that Facebook, they're going back to the privacy argument. So here's a company that has had privacy issues and now they're kind of making this deal with Skype. There's a little bit more data coming into the service. Meanwhile, you've got Google Plus, which is supposedly saying all of your data is liberated and owned by you. But do you buy that, really? See, I, I don't know. I mean, we talked a little bit about this. Oh, we've, we've talked about the media and the issues that media often looks for controversy. But I, I feel like Google, there's still those trust issues there, too. So I think that it's still going to be an issue. And I don't necessarily buy the whole, your data is your data. We're not going to do anything with it. Because, I mean, how does Google make money off of that? And I mean, companies have to survive. If you go to Google and you see what kind of information they're storing about you, it's pretty much everything you can possibly think of. Uh, exactly. That, I mean, it's, it's tough to say, we're not going to use your data, but we have everything about you on, on hand. And so I'm just not really seeing the argument where, oh, we can trust Google now. It's the right thing to do. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think that Eric Schmidt, even though he says you'd rather trust, you know, us than the government, that's a that's a fine thing. That's that makes sense to me to say. But at the same time, you are a big company. You pretty much have the world's information in your hands. So unless I could take a tour of your facilities and see for myself whether you're actually deleting anything, why should I trust that? And then with Facebook who they've pioneered privacy on the internet. They basically came up with all of these sort of uh, these controls that you can have. I just think that we're writing off Facebook a little bit too quickly and we're putting Google on this pedestal that you know doesn't necessarily need to be there. I mean, it's, it, time will tell, but if you look at the claims that are being made today, like um, today's claim about it being the fastest service to 100 million users. I mean, is that a viable user metric, given that everyone who signs up for Google now will have a Google, Google Plus, Plus account? account? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily buy it, because I mean, everyone's going to have a Google, a Google account, because everyone does search with Google. I think that's what they do best. So I mean, that's just how it's going to be. Time will tell whether, when, what will happen when they actually, you know, integrate their services, Gmail, Docs, with Google Plus, but Based on all the hoopla today, I think it's just a bunch of media buzz to try and get back at Facebook's announcement. People are saying Zuckerberg looks rattled, but if you ask me, Zuckerberg's sitting pretty on a potential hundred million dollar billion, sorry, billion dollar IPO coming up here. So, do you think this guy's rattled by any way? Oh, I don't think so. It's, I mean, like I said, I can't drive this home, this point home anymore. Of media, sort of looks for controversy or looks for issues of that nature. And I mean, Zuckerberg is sitting pretty, the company is sitting pretty. And ultimately, like I said, I know I'm not out of the norm here when I, the first thing I do when I log into my computer is check Facebook, check my email, check Twitter. Right. And that, that's just a natural thing that I think that's not going away anytime soon because I guarantee you that I'm not the only person who does that. Well, is it cumbersome when you check your email through Google to click that extra button to go to Google Plus? Uh, I mean... I, I see where I think you're going with that. Like the, it's going to quickly become. Well, I'll check Google Plus while I'm on my email as well. Uh, for some of us who just use like Outlook or just use Mail, if you're on a Mac, you don't end up going to like G, the Gmail client. So it's a little bit different. But I certainly see your point. But I isn't think, that only a matter of time? Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like I, I think that people will quickly adopt that nature, probably. But, but is that enough to overtake Facebook? I, I don't think so. Personally, I don't. I mean, it sounds like you agree with me. 
I I just don't I think they're you know you look at Twitter Facebook and Google Plus they're three different social animals I mean you're looking at three different services that play into different strengths that the others seem to have weakened but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, Facebook can come out with those UI enhancements with their list that they already have Google could start to make things a little sketchy when it comes to privacy. I mean, already when you go to Google right now and you check out your dashboard of everything that you share with Google, you share so much with Google and you probably don't even know it unless you log in and take a look. It's quite remarkable. I've actually never done that. So after this podcast, I'm probably going to check it out. If see. you want to see, you just go to google.com slash dashboard when you're logged in. and You, you know what? For the sake of this podcast, let's go ahead and do it. I mean, so, let's see what happens. So Chris here is on his MacBook, so he's going to try and log in. And I'm looking at Lion, by the way. So we're going to see a review of that pretty soon. Yeah, we are. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd wait and give everyone a little bit of a chance to see what's going on. We know it's probably coming out 13th or 14th this week. They're saying Thursday. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So Very we say google.com forward slash dashboard. Are you logged in uh, into Google? Yeah, I am. Okay. I don't know what that was. Let's see. All right, let me log right, back in. So he signs in, and when you sign in, you see your account you on the web, what you've done in profile, what you've done with AdSense, what you've done with Blogger, what you've done with Buzz, what you've done with Calendar, Google Sync, Context, Docs, Plus, Groups, iGoogle, Latitude, Maps, Music, they own everything. Picasso, so they're and if photos. someone And if someone, if someone really wanted to say, I'm going to liberate my data, they would have to go here and then spend at least an hour on this site. And you're telling me the average person is concerned about this? The fact of the matter is, it's way easier to get rid of your stuff on Facebook in some ways to the point where the average user would be comfortable. Now, a power user who knows just because you say you want to get rid of something on Facebook doesn't mean it's necessarily gone from the servers. Yeah, they'll have to make the extra step. But for the majority of people, this looks way more intimidating. Oh, yeah, this is, this is insane. I didn't even know that... I mean, like I well, I learned about sense. this today because I was curious to see what privacy things were Google really doing. And the only thing they do is point you to this site, and then from there, it's on your own to figure it out. I almost, if I was Google, I mean, I'm mostly joking here, but I almost wouldn't show them this site. Like, this is terrifying. This they, is they, quite terrifying. They own everything about you. Yeah. And look at your Google Voice. Look at that. Scroll down a bit. So it's 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 right. Yeah, the last thing. Oh, 19, yeah, Nineteen calls, calls. one for voicemail, one message, eight calls, one phone. Now you can try and delete all of that, but at the end of the day, if you're it's still somewhere, if you're patched through Android or anything like that, they're taking control of everything. Now Schmidt makes the argument that they only keep it anonymously on their servers, and that's fine. We can try and make that trust leap, but there are still some people out there, legitimately, who may say. Is that really valid? Is that something I can trust? And yeah, I was going to say I don't want to be one of those crazy conspiracy theorists or you know go out on this far tangent, but but anything is hackable, and clearly this data has to be organized because I mean I can see everything that I've done. So I mean if someone wants my information, they can surely get it. I mean because everything is hackable at some point or another. But this isn't stopping people. So you've got Facebook, which has 750 million users as of the keynote, and it's growing. You've got Google, which projects to have 100 million users faster than any service. That's not, that doesn't sound like a slowdown to me. I mean, I think a lot of people are in the same boat as me, and this is going to sound a little irresponsible, I think, but 
I don't have anything to hide, so I don't typically care if they if they see my information or not. But when I I don't it almost as I see it on this dashboard, then I get a little more terrified. So I like I said earlier, well I think it's important for these companies to be transparent. It's almost terrifying that they just say, Okay, go here, now I can see everything that's going on in my life. Right. And Facebook looks even more clunky, right? You yeah. log into your privacy settings there and you see check marks. Yeah. And then you wonder, okay, what do those mean? And then you click on it, you get a very similar looking screen with a bunch of locks and like weird lists yeah, let's and go controls. There, just... And I mean, we can do a direct comparison between the two right now and both look just as daunting. So on Facebook, as you know, if you log in and you click on this account and then click on uh, privacy, privacy settings, you see just a bunch of dots. But if you click customize settings, then you have the daunting, nerve-wracking screen of everything oh, that you yeah, could I possibly forgot. share. I actually used this a little while ago to, to right. change the privacy settings. Now, you don't seem to be nearly as obsessive as me. I've got lists. I keep a track of what lists look at what because I know how to use Facebook. Do you think the average user really cares? You think they're going that deep? Oh, there's, there's no way. I there's mean... no way. There's no way. People are just figuring out how to video chat. That's why Facebook came out with this, to make it easier. There's no way somebody's looking at all this that deeply. Of the 750 million people, I would say 1% know how to utilize this site properly. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um... I mean, I would put myself in this weird category where I kind of get, I at least get what's going on, and I just usually say, I don't care that much. But I, I think that there are a lot of users who who would care if they knew what was going on, and I don't think they know what's going on. Well, if you listen to us, we'll tell, yeah, you, we'll what's tell you what's going on. We will tell you, because we fight for the users. It's true. So, so I think that that pretty much, you know, puts out our feelings on that but if anybody has any comments or questions or other concerns about privacy and the man you know feel free to visit our site weeklydownload.com and we have blogged about this extensively or at least i have while chris has been out but uh expect to see more from him pretty oh, yeah. soon I've been gallivanting the country but back now yeah so our next topic uh, cash so i think we were kind of talking about this preluding this in previous podcast in the previous podcast and i think the surrounding question around the blogosphere especially towards the late end of uh, last week on the 9th or 8th was a great discussion on the critical path uh, by Horace Didu and uh, Dan Benjamin and they basically discussed what is apple doing with their cash and what should they do it turns out that apple is sitting on 60 billion dollars of cash and a lot of speculation is happening. Well, would they hand out dividends? Will they buy back shares? And a lot of that seemed to be waved away for the simple response, according to Horace, would be to just grow their core business. Now, he seems, and this may be the way I'm interpreting it, it seems that he thinks that nothing is happening right now, that there's not enough happening. But if you actually look at it, I mean, Google, the Apple just built a data center. They're um, in the process of building a new headquarters in Cupertino. Exactly. That's on the way. That's been cleared through Cupertino. And, uh, you know, they're, then that means they're going to be in a hiring frenzy, and they're continuing to build their iOS platform. They're making a lot of moves in the upper management. Obviously, there's the lingering question about a successor, and so that requires a little bit of money exchanging hands. So do you think that it's a bad thing to have $60 billion in cash? Oh, absolutely not. I mean... If you look at news over the past couple of days, there's all stuff, uh, kind of all kinds of stuff about the Nortel patents that 
several companies bought, and I think Apple is the front runner in that, and they bought the, the bulk of those patents and are leading that. So you know they've forked out a lot of money for that. It's always good to have a good cash reserve. It's always good to have some money to sit on. But the question is, what about other companies that are also sitting on money? So did you know that Google and Microsoft before last week had $40 billion? I, I did. It's, it's, it's weird to me that they're making such a big deal about Apple and not talking about these other two companies. I mean, we know that Microsoft just spent $7 billion on Skype, so that was a significant amount of money. But we, but we know that Apple's spending a ton of money on research, development, and, and new buildings as well, but they're not talking about that. So I don't really get what the big deal is in the sense that we Apple's continuing to innovate in the market. They're doing all kinds of new things. And yet several companies and several bloggers are saying they're not spending their money. They're, they need to be giving dividends or things like that. And I don't understand where they're coming from. Well, I don't think Horace and necessarily the, that group believe that dividends were the smart thing. But I do think the general masses are a little bit concerned by looking at a balance sheet and going, well, success would mean that they don't have that much cash, supposedly. Like, they actually should have more asset than, than sure. cash. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, anything that is strategic on the big numbers when it comes to cash, you have to consider that only the C's of a company could possibly know what's going on and what is actually going to be done in the 10 years from now. They're not taking thinking short-term like you, I, or anyone else out there. They're thinking about the long-term. They're thinking about the headquarters. They're thinking about the headquarters expansion to the headquarters. Sure. So it's not that I don't think it's much of an issue. It is interesting, though, to look at bigger companies like um, Microsoft, and though they have so much money, it almost seems wasteful to spend that much money on Skype. Oh, I, I think it... I think that with Skype, I don't still. I still am trying to ponder what exactly they were thinking when they bought a company like Skype. I, I but just, yet, what does it really matter when they have so much money? I mean, it's still wasteful to just throw the money away. What else do they do with the money? I mean, you can always stick it in R and D. It's just sort of my opinion on the matter. Right, and that and they used to actually hand out dividends in the '90s because they were so big they didn't even know what to do, and now it seems like. They could either repeat history and hand out dividends, but that doesn't mean to make sense. But why does it not make sense now, but it makes sense earlier? I mean, look at how big Microsoft became in the 90s. I, I don't know exactly how much cash they had in the 90s. Um, and they're still big, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I, I know their, their mobile platform is struggling. Uh, their game console, I know, is doing really well, but they could always improve. Like, PS3, I think, is... It was growing, except, I mean, the PlayStation Network had all those problems, so I'm guessing a lot of people are sort of jumping back over to the Microsoft side of things. But they could always improve on, I know that Windows 8, I've already seen some initial things where people are like, I don't know how I feel about this, or, you know, with the new tiles and trying to integrate a, a tablet UI with a, with a desktop. So maybe if they went back and, like, refocused and said, okay, we're going to dump so much money into, into doing what we did well in the 90s, and I think that would be a good way to spend some of that cash. So cash isn't a bad thing. I, I personally, I don't think so. This week's podcast is sponsored by potential listeners like you. If you'd like to sponsor our podcast, check out our website weeklydownload.com and click on the sponsors link to learn more. Thanks. I'm going to talk about one more thing today, and that is the epic showdown between iCloud, which is Apple's product, Cloud Drive, which is Amazon's product, and Google Music, which is obviously Google's product. So these three different services um, basically provide a music sharing at, the, at, at one of their aspects. Now, iCloud allow, allow, 
has a lot more and cloud drive has a little bit more too but if we look at all three music is the common element so what are we thinking between the three who's on top well i think it's tough at the moment to say who is going to be on top since all of these services are still up and coming uh, I mean, iCloud isn't even out yet for, for real. You, you've got the ability to re-download your purchased music on any of your devices now, but you don't have iTunes Match or whatever, and I, I think that iTunes Match is going to be key in this. I personally feel like the day it comes out, I'm going to spend the $25 a year because I love being able to have my 10,000-something songs available to me on any device, and I can delete them, bring them back, do whatever I want. And there's Google Music, which I'm actually in the middle of uploading all of my music to at the moment, I've been working on this for about a week now, and I'm still only at 5,090 of 9,496 songs. Right. But I think that streaming is totally different than what iCloud's doing. I think that streaming is helpful because I don't necessarily always want any music on my device, but I love being able to have all my music with me at one time. But is streaming, the, is streaming a future that can happen right now? Is that a reality we can live with? Well, I think it's interesting that in terms of cellular data... We talked a little bit about how Verizon was tearing their data on the site, and AT&T has been tearing their data, and T-Mobile is tearing their data now. And as we get these streaming services, we continue to see more and more data being used, but we're getting data taken away from us. So I, I think that it's becoming more difficult to do streaming services, which is a little bit of concern to me. I couldn't possibly handle the fact that my music was streamed. I feel like I could be anywhere. I could be on the beach. I could be somewhere in rural America and not be able to access my music? That doesn't seem to make sense. I love being able to have my music locally, but I mean, if I'm going to be in the city or if I'm going to be here in Bloomington or wherever, and I'm just walking around and I'm like, well, I don't have more than 16 gigs on my phone or my iPad. I just want to be able to listen over my 3G connection. So how about iCloud? Do you think the iCloud announcement was somewhat crippled when it didn't come out feature complete? Um... I assume you mean by feature complete, like the fact that they stuck it in beta and then they're going to like start rolling it out bits and pieces. And the, the fact that I don't think a whole lot of people understand iCloud until Mac OS X Lion is completely out there to the public and iOS 5 is completely integrated as well. Uh, I don't think it's a total mistake. I think among techies, like quasi-techies, meaning people who sort of understand or sort of read but don't read everything, it's going to be a little confusing for them. But I think for the end user who doesn't really pay much attention... Half those people don't update anyway until they're forced to. So I think that everything will probably be pretty well in place by the time the end user or the average user is to the point where they need it. And how about Cloud Drive? Cloud Drive is the one I don't know a lot about, but it seems like Amazon is, was shaking in their boots, so to speak, with uh, when iCloud came out since they sort of revamped everything they were doing. Yeah, so what did they do? Well, let's, let's go over and make sure we get all the facts straight, and we'll check out Cloud Drive. One of the cool things about Cloud Drive, I think, is that unlike Google Music, it does store much more than just music. It'll store videos, photos, documents. Yeah, I mean, we got, we've got five gigs of free online storage, unlimited access from any computer, and anything you purchase from Amazon MP3 store is free, not including your five gigs. So it's a lot like iCloud there. And I, I know that before it was you got so many gigs of space, no matter where you purchased, your, no matter how much music you purchased. So. I think when iCloud came out, they sort of said, whoa, maybe we had to look at this a little bit differently. So I, I think it's interesting that Apple is scaring some companies so much that before a product's even released, they're like, whoa, we better t stop and take a look and maybe reevaluate how we're going to do this. But if anyone could turn around and reevaluate their services, I think it could be Amazon. 
I think Amazon is one of the only companies out there with an ecosystem like Apple. I think that they're definitely unique in the sense that they have a huge customer base and they've got everyone's credit card number right on file already. I mean, Amazon's probably got four of my credit cards on file at the moment. And exactly. I, I don't think I'm in the, I don't think I'm out of the norm here. Exactly. I make most of my MP3 purchases, if not on Amazon, then on iTunes. But uh, Amazon typically has sales, they're DRM-free DRM MP3s. And it uh, looks like you get unlimited space for music with any paid storage plan. So unlimited music, and then you can have 20 gigabytes of storage, which annual bills for 20 gigabytes for the ease and comfort of having everything backed up by Amazon, and along with everything else, seems to be a good deal in comparison to iCloud. But the difference is iCloud is free. Yeah, I, I think that... Reading about the, the 20 gigs, I mean, it's really helpful. I, I know that MobileMe right now has, you get a 20 gigabyte thing for iDisk and your MobileMe account for your email. And I'm really going to miss that because I, I use the iDisk very regularly, but I'm not going to be able to use it anymore because I've only got 5 gigs when, I, when my account transitions over next June. Right. I feel like that and the fact that iWeb support's completely being dropped is sad news for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. I don't personally use iWeb, but I mean, several of my family members who don't know anything about how to develop websites or anything like that love iCloud. So our, the uh, iWeb interface, they use it all the time. They stick, they stick photos on the gallery. I have uh, a grandmother who doesn't like using the computer anymore than playing with photos and things like that. And she loves her MobileMe gallery. And for me to have to say, hey, the gallery is going away in a year, she's already freaking out about it. Like, I don't know what we're gonna what we're gonna do. We're probably gonna switch over to Picasa, but I think it's gonna be sort of a bad deal for Apple for some people. Yeah, I agree, but we'll have to see when the services fully roll out um, in order to gauge a better opinion. I think, especially since there needs to be so much integration for these services to work. Going back to iCloud and needing the entire integration to be built from iOS, from Mac OS X Lion. Amazon seems like it could work right out of the box right now, but you need the extra installs. You need the apps for it to work properly as services on top of what you're already using. And Google Music's the same way, and the sad thing about Google Music is you still haven't had all of your songs uploaded. No, and like I said, I've been working on this for like a week now. But I think that that can't be the future. That can't be the way things are going. I think this sort of scan and match or automatic upload seems to be the way, a better way to go. I think that Apple definitely has the right idea there in the sense that there's just essentially a file going up to their server saying, hey, here's a list of music, now I'm going to match it up with you, and if you want to download it later, there's no upload for the end user, so it's not wasting their data, it's not wasting Apple's data to stick 55,000 or 100,000 of the same song on their server. They've just got one copy that they're pushing down to people. So you've been using Lion for a little while. I have, yeah. And uh, looking forward to hearing what you have to say about that. Uh, supposedly, it's coming out this Thursday, The uh, I guess that would be the 14th, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll hear more about that on the next podcast and uh, you know, spend some time with that one, see if uh, it's picked up based on the usage of iOS 5 and uh, the deep integration that we're talking about, see if it's actually fleshed out. A lot of people are a little worried about the uh, GMC not looking nearly as good as it should. Do you think it's pretty stable now? It's relatively stable. I've had a few glitches here and there. I've had a few kernel panics with not using any third or not a whole lot of third-party software. So that's a little concerning to me, the fact that I'll be running Safari and doing something a little normal, basically, and then I'll get a random kernel panic. 
So I, I would have to assume, because I wasn't getting those in Snow Leopard, that it might be something with the GN. I know when we when they released Snow Leopard, they actually had two GNs, if I remember correctly. Uh, they had one they thought they were going to do, and then they pushed up an update right at the last second. So we'll see if maybe some something weird like that happens over the next couple of days. I'm sure there'll be some patch. Oh, release. definitely. It's it's always this this time of year is always the most interesting and the most fun, I think, to watch and see what happens when a new OS is coming out. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. This was Weekly Download Podcast number two. We're very excited about the launch. If you want to keep up with us, we are on weeklydownload.com, posting blog updates, uh, links to other people, and some of our thoughts about those links. And we'll be recording another podcast at the end of this week, mainly talking about Lion. Thanks.